Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries, sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go. To the rules of acquisition. Alright, uh, hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I mean, like, the greatest TV show to really uh, do something different than uh, everything. Oh, no, that's next episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> but this one, I, I thought it was all right. But anyways, we'll get into it. <laughs> it's it's the greatest, uh, whatever. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me... As always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hi, hello. (laughs) Hello. And, uh, yep, we are talking about an episode with our friend of the show called Who Mourns for Mourn? (laughs) That's right. This is episode 12 of season 6. It originally aired February 4th, 1998. And the IMDb description just says a former patron of Quark's bequeaths everything to him, which is not exactly what happens in this. Um, This is some shenanigans episode. Yes, it is. Basically what we have, uh, we have a, it's sort of a romp. It's not, it's not the worst thing, but it's sort of not the best thing either. (laughs) I think this episode is a good time. It's what people want from Star Trek in a lot of ways, and it's and it executes all what it's trying to do rather well. I think it's, but I mean, tell me what you think. So we all hate this. So it sounds like no, I like. <laughs> or we all I, nothing I, this. No, I'm saying that I like this. Well, one. I, I actually, enjoyed it. I, I you basically a... just described it like a corn concert. <laughs> no, I, this I, is I, what people liked, and no, it, no, it was there. I'm not. I'm saying I like it. That's the thing I like in Star Trek too. I'm just. I'm anticipating that y'all not liking it as much. Maybe I'm being overly defensive, but I don't know because <laughs> it sounds like maybe y'all hate it. I, I don't, don't like. I think that they get. These fucking shenanigans episodes. All right. What they first of all, let me let me I know what you're let me say something about the shenanigans episode in my personal opinion. Let me be clear. I had a good time during this episode. This is a shenanigans episode that I would I would revisit if it was on. Right. It's part of like, oh, I'm gonna go see some space shenanigans. It's a cork episode. Wonder wonder what shenanigans cork gets into. I like cork. This is a lot of this is a lot of cork yeah, Armin Shimmerman is watchable. I think he's Yeah, I think he's really good in this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make okay, so this is my comparison to it. Okay, so when they make they have like five ideas that are like at the beginning of each season or over this break or whatever. And those ideas like everybody gets to cradle it. This would have this um, would have started from the they had a title first. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, I was just like, okay, so like next week's episode was a a passion project. There's other episodes that are passion projects that are that are big ideas and they're like, not only are we going to do sci fi, but we're gonna do sci fi better than anyone has ever done sci-fi on television that's our goal and then they have episodes where they go hey wouldn't it be fun if we did a murder mystery or a whatever or a ray ray they they where they're like hey we're we're rounding out to the end game we know we only have one season left of this 
You know what? We've had more in this whole time, this character that everybody loves. Mm. Maybe, maybe not everybody, but people love. Mm-hmm. And hey, let's we're going <laughs> to ISB, the showrunner, loves doing Quark episodes. And you know what? Everybody loves Morn. Let's really do it right by Morn and give him his own episode, kind of, that's centered on him. And it's also a noir crime kind of episode. But my point is, is that they don't try to nail it. They're not swinging for. I the... disagree. I think they nail it pretty well in this for what they're aiming for. That's my. They're not. That's my fucking point. The, the for what they're aiming for thing. What they're aiming is for always... is what people want. Like oh it's my fun. God. I'm still okay. Well, let me get the whole idea out. So it's kind of like when you're. When a, when a good regional community theater says, wouldn't it be great to do an Agatha Christie mystery? And so they do an Agatha Christie mystery. And probably every good regional theater worth their salt has an amazing actor who's going to just give you the most pleasing evening as Hercule Poirot. And then, then there's like a bunch of other people. And they're going to play their roles and they're going to be loud or shrill. You know, they're going to be community theater actors. They're, they're, they're not professionals. They're doing this for the love of it makes them happy at night. And as an audience member, we go and watch it because we like, I don't know. I don't know why people go watch it. I, I mean, I, this but, is, I'm starting um, to like, I don't know. I, I Full disclosure, this weekend I went and saw a pre-screening of the DS9 doc that they put out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's some goofy over goofy stuff in that. And I was, maybe it's been in the room. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Everybody, this is goofy, 90s, fun, people having a good time watching television. It's not always trying to be the dark, super gritty, let's transcend science fiction tropes and do amazing shit. But, like, let's just have a fun time. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I think, executes pretty what well. What if it was a really good murder mystery? More better than other Frank Gehry episodes. What if it wasn't full of yuck yucks and it wasn't like, what if it was It's a, really less yuck yucks what if it was a really this good... than the ones that usually are now, like telling there, to, Wait a minute. There's there, a fucking scene mm, around a mud bag. Yeah, oh, wait oh, a minute. That, there, is, <laughs> there is some Three's Company type shenanigans. Oh, I, I didn't yeah. say, I, my, my point that I was saying is that the yuck yucks are not quite as full- Lampoon Looney Tunes. They're so. I mean, there. There's plenty of this episode is played for laughs for sure. But I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I nobody I, slips I, on a banana peel is what you're saying. Right, right. Whereas like Magnificent Ferengi was full cartoon as far as I could. To yeah, that's a commitment. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just thought this was like a. I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's fine. It's, I didn't hate it. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> it. I don't want to kill it. Yeah. I guess I'm just. I'm just. You can't kill it. This episode will live on forever. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. It's one of those things where you just watch it and you go, because I don't have, like, I didn't watch this when I was 10. Like, I don't have. I didn't either. I'll watch shit that, I mean, obviously, I was in college, or almost a college. I think I was in college when this episode came out. Uh-huh. But I don't have that kind of base nostalgia for it. That in my in the, in the fiber of my being, nostalgia. I for saw it. this one as an adult too, and I and just thought it. I just thought it clicked. It clicked along at, at a good clip. It doesn't. It, I it, mean, it's it, not resurrection. Right, right, right. It's not that. Yeah, that, I think I yeah. think every turn came. It never nothing overstayed its welcome. Every turn, uh, plot point turn came and was pulled off well. I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, all the day players that were here were service serviceable. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah. It was a good night at the theater. If, if you can see a matinee, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not everything has to be in the pale moonlight. And this episode understands that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not. I, okay. I think that you think I mean that it needs to be gritty or dark. I'm saying that they just. Everybody who watches this knows every beat of it. Like in the first 10 minutes. I disagree. I think it sets up little, there's little things that it sets up that pay off later on. That, I mean, you know, it's a little noir, little mystery stuff that sets up at the beginning that pay off later on. Wait a minute. You're saying, James, that the audience knows from the beginning that Morn isn't really dead? I did. I don't know. I dis- I mean, I do because I've watched, this is a 25-year-old show. But I don't remember this episode. I don't remember this episode at all. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because, I mean, of course, now, 20 years later, we all know that Morn's not dead, but... I don't know. If you say, oh, it was obvious to everybody that he's not dead, I don't agree. Now, why do we always got to make this like, I mean, I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about titties here. I'm talking about like good stories. So why do we have to t- date I'm not, it? No, I'm, I'm like, saying. Th- it was 20 years ago. We didn't invent how to make good stories five no, years ago. My point, my point in saying 20 years ago isn't that like this is dated and 20 years ago people were dumber. My point is that the show's been around 20 years. We know Morn doesn't die in it because we know the show. No, I'm saying because it, I know it was playing towards a certain type of because it was set up. I mean, it, it's a, it's a standard setup. He puts you in the will to give you this money. Why would he do that? I don't know. Plus, there's all these people going for it. He's obviously trying to clean play an angle with it, yeah. and that it was pretty clear that Morn was playing a game by giving it to Quark. Once all of the other people sort of once the mystery was afoot, I was like, oh, all of this makes sense if Quark if Morn is still alive. Yeah, I mean. Is because he's trying to clear the deck. Uh, for, sure. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's it's every Elmore Leonard novel. Yeah. <laughs> like fake your death. And is that a to bad? get away with something? Yeah. I mean, it does play into the noir tropes. Yeah. The long goodbye, all that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's a plus for me. But yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily. Yeah, at first I was I thought Morn was dead, and then the thing goes on. Yeah, you figure it out. But so it, James a, wants them to like to do a noir, but like transcend the <laughs> yeah, genre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what to. What this is what I want them to do. I want them to stop doing dumb shit. <laughs> See, that's where I take if a you're, fit, if you're, this if, is a dumb if you're on a show, if you're on a show about future space soldiers fighting wormhole gods and the people, the bad gods that are on the other side of the wormhole gods, that's what you're shown needs to be about it doesn't i mean i i i I sympathize yes can we stop doing three's company (laughs) can we stop doing this bullshit and just fucking do your show again i I, then that's that's where i get pissed off because no we can't because people are here for this shit that's well that's the thing is that this is a side of the galaxy of this star trek world that people like to see because it's little a little visited corner of an underworld mm-hmm. where you have unsavory characters that exist in this universe. And this is their chance to your chance to explore it. You know, it's like whenever, uh, the mirror universe Vedic came along and Quark was like, ah, that's a bad guy. I know because I know bad guys. Well, this is what Quark's life is like. He runs around with bad guys, mm. you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, but and the- what I don't, what I don't like looking at, Deep Space Nine isn't Rick and Morty when you go, oh, this is an episode where they're doing a send-up on the lottery. This is an episode where they're doing a send-up on, you know, what, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, this, it doesn't have to, like... And I, I know you always jump on me when I say this is of its time, but 
still you have to you have to watch this show. In 1998. I was watching. I was watching good shows. In like what? Tell me what this is. Why this show? NYPD Blue was fucking amazing. David Milch was writing shit like every fucking week on oh that. Oh my god. I'm sorry. It's not Deadwood or a Milch show for fuck's sake. I'm just saying but, that's a TV show that was coming on in 1998. That was good. Yeah, but like, but saying this is. We were one year away. We are literally one year away from The Sopranos. Oz was already on television. Yeah, that's my I, like saying I, this isn't David Milch is ridiculous but i get that it was cable but my point is <laughs> but okay sorry I'm, i was primed to kind of know this is where this was going to go tonight i shouldn't be walking into it you're right it's <laughs> 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 not nypd blue and i'm sorry i guess i'm just saying okay here's the thing john scalzi is not kazuo ishiguro <laughs> Right, but he's not—he's not trying to be. But this episode's not trying to be. This isn't either. This is never trying to be fucking David Milt shows. <laughs> like, I don't. Wait, it is. No, it's What's not. What's the next fucking episode, man? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This—it's fucking the next fucking episode. Just because they're doing various shit and they're spreading the gamut of what this show can do. It's not because every show isn't in the pale moonlight or far beyond the stars. It doesn't make the show the show a failure because there's an episode that's not with Benny Russell. I mean, I just think I mean this may be a a, a half glass full thing, but is this show a good show with some bad episodes or a bad show with some good episodes? And like that's like you got to ask yourself like which one is. Oh, I'm I not, can tell you right now, it's a good show with some. It's a great show with some bad episodes. We said that in the first episode of this podcast. So then why can't my critique be make less bad Because episodes? this is not a bad episode. Because, because I think that this you, James is the guy who like gets a bag of Chex Mix and is like, why can't this thing just be just bagel chips? Oh. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, this is a good episode. That's what that's where I take a fit. That's I think that's what that's what the Star Trek's is. It's the Chex Mix of TV. And so why does and, why does this show got so many peanuts? If everybody tells me it's the best nut mix on the market. Well, and like like we said at the fucking when we started this podcast, this is somewhere in between precursor to this kind of TV that you're complaining that it's not. And you know we made jokes at the beginning that there'd be some bad '90s sci-fi, and you know there has been, and I protest that this is not one of them. This is taking one of the, you know, more fun, lightweight kind of one-off episode premises that they do on the show from time to time and doing it rather well, I think. You're right. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess it's your mileage may vary type situation. Right. I think that, I think that's what it is. I, you just don't prefer shenanigans episodes. Yes, I and don't. And so whenever one is done well... And what I mean, well, I mean that everything makes sense and it, you know, it clicks along, you know, yeah. Those, the scenes, yeah, the I scenes, mean, they're only copying the most, <laughs> the most overtold story form of the 20th century, but yes. Right. Well, <laughs> so they should know how to do it, right? They, they would have, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm sorry that they're telling noir stories, but we fucking like noir stories. No, it's not stories. a, it's not a, no, it, but it. Oh. But okay, so our okay, so we. I feel like that it's like this idea of genre as I like this genre or I don't like this genre, and really that there's That's there's quality and dis and not quality within all of these. And so you saying like I'm sorry they did noir. No, it's that they didn't do they didn't 
Again, that, I don't that's know. where I disagree. They did this this episode well, where they've done it poorly. Say that time travel where they go back to old DS9 with Odo's mind that they were doing Nora there. They did it badly. I'll fully admit that. You know, this one churns along. It, they set all the little details in a whodunit that pay off later on. And, you know, it plods along in an entertaining way and everything pays off. I don't know. The character moments are fun. I mean, I I found stuff to be like. Are you arguing that it's a bare min- that it's a replacement level story? Because it, it is. No, I don't know if I. I mean, this re- is above the Mendo- This is above the Mendoza line. I don't know stuff. if I've reiterated enough, but my argument is that this is a good one. I think I've said that over and over <laughs> again in a loud voice. Hugh, what's the batting average of this episode? This episode career batting average of this episode is this the above or below the Mendoza? It's the Mendoza line. I would say. I would say this is a 240, two, 240, 250 hitter. Really? Yeah, I really would. All right. I, it, it's okay. extremely, it's an extremely watchable, enjoyable episode. No scene overstays its welcome. It gets in and out. You get to explore, like I said, you get to explore a corner of the universe that mm-hmm. uh, that people love, but it's usually just like white admirals on screens talking to you know, captains, and it's more than that. It's it's a seedy underworld, you know, that exists. That's that's interesting. You've got people posing as princes, and you've got all sorts of standoffs with zap guns, you know, yeah. uh, brothers turning on brothers. Okay. Uh, and then you've got Odo, who, like, had the situation control the whole time, and uh, jokes about the gold being worthless. Is, you know, it's just fun stuff. Yeah, like the Odo fucks episode. That was another noir episode. Was not good. So I'm not. My argument is isn't that this is it's better than that. that yeah, that's yeah. That's, was it's it? supposed to be noir. It's supposed to be like a you know like Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Right, right, right. Oh yes, yes. Oh, this is a better episode than that. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. It's like I knew I had that one in the pocket because uh, yeah, you can't argue that one. Episode not, I didn't say that. The, I mean, I, I, I've I've called like five episodes the worst episodes of the whole show. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick with Resurrection though. I'm not saying that. This is a it's a Mendoza. It's a it's a Mendoza line episode. It's a two hundred. It's a two hundred two ten hinder. Yeah, I mean, my argument isn't going to be that it's the best one either. Which one was Resurrection? Resurrection was the one with Mira Burial. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still argue there's worse ones, but you know that's just like. Worse opinion. than Resurrection? Resurrection? The one? Yeah, like Meridian. Like, the early episodes were bad, you know? The Meridian was pretty bad. I Babel might be the worst one. I watched Babel twice before I'd watch Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I, can, I, I mean, I guess I could watch Resurrection and watch popping videos uh, on my phone. But, like, <laughs> other than that, like, so that would occupy me. But no. No, yeah, and it is frustrating because it comes between two episodes I liked. Uh-huh, yeah. That are better. Well... My th- um, my thing is that I think it's a good episode to go in between those because it it changes it up. It's a different flavor. It, it's meant to be, <laughs> you know. Who wants that though? Plenty of people. People that love DS Nine. I don't know. <laughs> like, but I mean, like, I think that maybe maybe streaming is changing us. It, oh, for yes. sure. That's uh, but maybe it's catering to us. I tend to. I don't. I I, I want to show. I mean, obviously, you want variations. You know, you want different types of stories different perspectives told on a show but for the most part i you know i don't know i don't i don't want a show that that deviates from its form unless it's it's to add it's like it's to add this idea of just getting me another show in the week well this episode i don't know i don't know and i don't and i think that that maybe 
I don't think that people really like that. They well, will... well, the proof is in the pudding because they because we don't have that. That doesn't exist today. Right. Our modern the... Star Trek yeah. is a serialized one story from beginning to end. One, one tone. Yes, from yes. beginning to end. And if you want any variance, if you get it in the form of shorts. <laughs> Wait, so right. well, don't get me started. Or, on the... or you could say that you get variants in the form of degrees. This is exactly what the producers wanted. This is exactly what the producers wanted this show to be because it's an episodic. They didn't want any serialization whatsoever. So this is probably a perfect episode for what Berman wanted the show to do. Oh, I'm... and then one that actually works. But... You're probably right on that. Yeah, yeah. But where's where's Berman right now? Oh yeah, I mean he, he's sitting pretty in L.A. somewhere. He's retired. Look, is he sitting pretty? I don't know. Did he ever get a payday out of he's this? He's not struggling. He's not. I don't know. I mean, I know. he's not working. Building. Yeah. Wait a minute. Rick Rick Berman probably has a cut on every single syndication deal for like the yeah like, at the height. Maybe of- Berman's doing all right. In fact, he's doing better than he deserves. Honestly, <laughs> I mean he's probably fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm just. I don't know. He's. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to be making shit right now. I think he realizes he's done. But I mean, not everybody in that that had a job in the '90s has fuck you money now. And I just I can't see that Rick Berman. Alexa. When I just tell read... me how well Rick Berman's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Denise Crosby, probably not doing as well as Rick Berman is. You know, like but. Well, Denise Crosby's, Crosby's working. She's on that fucking. Wait, movie. Yeah. Uh, wait the, a minute. You're that... you're seriously not going to say that the guy <laughs> right. who ran Star Trek for thirty years is worse off than Denise Crosby? I'm saying that I don't. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that Denise Crosby is on that uh, Wolverine's brother show. She's probably all right too. Um, I mean, she. If, I don't know. Like, if you're a working actor anywhere, you're doing good. She's also the scion of the Bing Crosby fortune, I right, think. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, if you're a working actor, even if you're just doing bit parts in Hollywood, I have no... I don't have sympathy for your career not going out. It's like, if you're living off being an actor, then you're doing better than 98% of other actors out there. So you're living the dream that people want when they go into acting. I mean, everyone wants to be a star, too, but, you know, not everybody can be. Yeah. But them rents is high. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. If you're making a living off of it, you're doing better than everybody else. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure all of these actors are fine, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I bet one or two of them struggling. I follow Donna Visitor's Twitter page. She moves a lot. I don't know. That's not. So I don't know. I I don't know what people's life situations are. You know, fuck it. Actors move a lot, even especially when they're working. I don't even remember. I felt like I was making a larger point, but I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) Sorry, I just. Sorry to derail. We were talking about the net worth of Rick Berman. <laughs> no, before that. Oh. Oh, we were talking about the kind of shows that Rick Berman wants. No, I oh, oh, I was generally talking about streaming and do people want... Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to go back because I didn't watch appointment television after I learned how to masturbate. So I don't, like... <laughs> At 25. I was 25 when I learned how to masturbate. Yes, yeah. <laughs> We're right at, the, right at the start of peak television. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh, right as the lost finale. During Lost, I was, I was I figured out how to masturbate. No. Um, no, but I haven't watched, so I don't know what it's like to do that. And right now, I'm watching a show as it airs, because my family watches it, The Good Place. We're watching it week to week, and I kind of... Mm-hmm. I hate watching shows week to week now. But... That is uh, the the industry changing me. Uh-huh. But I just don't, like, I can't imagine watching a show that you like as as serious hard sci-fi. I mean, this is a serious show about serious things. And then... And then it, it can be light at times. Oh, man. 
No, it, that it turns into kind of just like it becomes like basic comedy. People like a little lightness sometimes. That's the oh man part. It's you not need, that it, you need it to be a highbrow. It's not okay, but light uh, light is joke. There's people younger than people that like the show that didn't that are like. 15 years younger than Okay, us. okay, but you're saying that people like to laugh and stuff like that. Shows usually have... Or they like these characters that they've gotten to know over six seasons, and they like these little slower-paced episodes or a little different something-something to explore a different part of the world. Yeah, people like that. Maybe. Why isn't it, Why isn't this episode... Where's all the good uh, My Dinner with Andre jokes in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> why does it have to be basic? <laughs> I'm saying... That they're not equipped to write these stories in an interesting manner. So why do they try? I, that's my thesis. Again, that's where I take offense, and I disagree with you because I think that they do. <laughs> this is a writer's room built to write so uh, space operas. No, it's not. So it's a why? it's a writer's room built to write all sorts of stories in this. Setting. You're just being contrarian with me. No, I'm not. I've started. That's why I started this. <laughs> I think you're trolling me, and I'm gonna. That's why I started this episode off defensive because I figured this is where you were gonna go with it, and I was like, no, I'm glowing in the bask of watching this documentary that with all these people that love the show for doing things like this episode. So that like, wait, w- is the documentary talk about how much they love those wacky Ferengi? Is that like the? the I mean, uh, I mean, Quirk is a. It's not the documentary touches on a lot of stuff. I like okay, Armin Shimmerman is a fucking gem. I'm not arguing about like his performance. The stuff is it's I don't know that they can tell all these different kinds of stories and that they like that about the show. Yes, that comes up in the documentary. Spoilers. I hope nobody's mad that I'm. <laughs> but they just choose to tell these different types of stories. Don't like like what would failure look like then? It would look like resurrection. Resurrection, probably <laughs> that that Odo Noir episode, probably. I mean, they've had a few shenanigans episodes that fall flat on their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think that the Little Green Men episode was one I could completely do without. Right. People love that. People love People that. People love it. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They they do love it. That's that's some that's high on somebody's rewatch meter. I mean, I, I, and I do feel like that we you know we're we're in a niche genre of the arts here uh so when we say that people love it we can oh, so now contextualize that a so little now bit. you're into denigrating sci-fi great <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> that it's not, no it's, i'm saying that like i'm saying like how many fucking deep space not i mean you you have to take the world as hardcore deep space nine fans uh-huh. and you have to like let's just target those people how many of them are there in america or in the world and then you have to go all the ones that don't like Little Green Men, but then there's going to be a group that do. And then you go to people love it because people always talk about loving it. I don't know. There's like there's channels on my TV that I don't even know, man. But you, I'm sure that there's shows on that that have fan bases, like on the NRA channel or or the Hallmark oh, channel. I mean, there's. And then I'm sure you're not alone in hating this episode. I mean, but then you can say, well, we have to keep doing these kinds of episodes because people love them. Our fans really love them. The right. The people making the show like them, too. I mean, at what point are you talking about like 40 percent of point zero 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 point two percent of all TV fans? I don't, it's not like saying people love Venom. People love Venom. That movie yeah, just made 300 million dollars. I mean, I don't. So I don't know what to tell you. The people making the show like making shows like this. These aren't the most popular episodes of this series. So. Not everybody is going to say this is my favorite thing that the series does. 
but Ronald D. Moore's never done shit like this again after. That's no, that's um, true. But was, also, they, was, these people—that's not Ronald D. Moore is working in a different marketplace, though. Yeah, like things yeah. have changed. I mean, yeah. like there's a shift, and then they—they've adjusted to it. So but, I like, mean, he left. I mean, he left for another show immediately. Yeah, because so he did the carnival. He he show ran carnival, and then he show ran a. But you, and then he started. You Battlestar didn't like Galactica. the Stimbolts episode of Carnival. You didn't like that? <laughs> but I tell you what, in the third season of Battlestar Galactica, they did noir, like there's a murder somebody has to solve, which is basically this episode. There's a point in Battlestar where they switched to doing those arcs, and they switched to doing episodic episodes, and there's a noir crime episode, so he was doing stuff like this. Are, are they the, Does somebody slip they, on a banana peel on that Is one? there a mud I bath? mean, it's my problem. It's my least favorite part of Battlestar when they started doing that, because that's not the strength of the series, I don't think, but he did do it. So so is that is that could that be the point I'm making? It could be, but that this show. But my point, my counterpoint to that is this is not Battlestar, and it never was, and I enjoy it for what it was. Okay, but that's like that's a dead end of a conversation because it's no comparison to but anything. Also, else. this is this show that was before all these but other. If shows. we can't compare this to Battlestar Galactica, then what the fuck are we doing as a podcast? No, but if your argument is I don't like this show that became before. Because I can't respect it for not doing the stuff that was done after and building off of it, then that's just a weird argument to make too for me. I don't know. Maybe because I yeah. don't like the show because they do a bunch of this dumb like, shit. I'd rather talk about like what when, let's, sh- let's rephrase. Let's rephrase it. I don't like it when this show does this stuff because they're not like. Just what if they nailed it? Like that. That's the thing. If they did a Nar episode and it was like huh? fuck. You know, then it was be like, man, when they because they they do great space opera, but every now and then they'll come out with this like genre. They'll go somewhere else and damn, they nail it Uh, instead of it just being like a cavalcade of silly. There is a light episode that they nail and it's coming up in season seven and it has to do with a ship full of Vulcans (laughs) and a little competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good, that's a great, that's a great episode. It's light. It's funny. Yeah. And that, my, my, that's a truly hmm. great episode. I'm not compl- I, th- I feel like that you're trying to reduce my argument to me saying that oh, because oh, I feel I like don't... there's a lot of reducing not... of the arguments on both sides there, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah. You were trying to get, you were getting into some no. bad shit math about who really likes what. <laughs> so don't, let's not like reducing the argument is. <laughs> well, maybe I didn't make that point well, but I wasn't trying to reduce the argument. I was trying to expand my argument. Right. I'm saying that. It's not, I don't want, let me, let me take accusations out. I don't want my argument to be reduced to, because they're doing things other than serious space opera, I don't like it. What I'm saying is, is that I feel that they're not a writer's room and a show equipped to do those things continuously and well. All right. And I feel like this is a this is a case of something kind of getting All right. So, my solution I think that they they had a goal for this episode and I think this episode probably turned out exactly how they wanted. Maybe they had to do it went through an extensive rewriting process cuz they hated the original guy's script. Okay. Mark Garrett O'Connell. Okay. Yeah. Okay, my then my uh suggestion is keep that all in mind put it in your back pocket, let's go through the episode, and then we'll bring back the tell us how you would do it, have done it better. <laughs> like that. I'm, not, I'm not a very good noir writer either. <laughs> I probably wouldn't write a noir episode. All right. Uh, okay. 
Let's do it. All right. Uh, how much time did we spend arguing? About Forty-five this? minutes. So we should probably. <laughs> yeah. We should prob. And it was mostly, I think, good stuff. Like I don't think. Yeah, we yeah, should yeah, yeah. Cut. Like I think we should just power through. Yeah, the... yeah. We. Yeah. I mean, it's a Nora episode. It hits all the tropes. You know, it opens up the holograph morn. Odo slips in and has some banner about like, oh, your sales don't do as well when Morn's not here and the hologram stuff. And then I think uh, Armin Shimmerman is great in this episode. I think his acting performance is great. But I think the best acting in this whole episode is Avery Brooks at the very end, beginning when he comes in and Dax sees the hollow Morn and is taken aback. And just the way that Avery Brooks deals with i don't know i can't even explain what it is but his giving the news that morn is dead was the most while seeing him there yeah he's again he's only got like one or two lines in this whole episode but like i don't know there's something about avery brooks is what he brings to the role that in this scene that was my what i thought was the best bit of acting in this whole thing and i think that cork does a really good job or armin shimmerman oh yeah he just comes in and they see the hologram and it's just it's, it's turned it off when he's talking about the hologram, the way he delivers mm-hmm. delivers that line is like the best part of the episode for me. You look like you saw a ghost. Turn it off. But then, so yeah, then Morn is dead, so they have the funeral. We learn all the, yeah, I guess this is the goofy yuck yuck kind of stuff, but it's not as three stoogy as other fringy stuff where we learn that he's like Worf's sparring partner and... Uh, we knew Jedzia had a crush on him. She's mentioned like way back in season two or three to Kira that she likes the way that the, the three little hairs on his head curl. And Kira was like, really, Morn? But whatever. <laughs> and then Quark has the eulogy speech at the bar after he's having the, the party for him where everybody is, he's chilling, Euridian ailed everybody. Like, And then Odo is, oh, come on, how are you? Oh, I'm so sorry, your your profits are going to go down. And Quark is just like a smooth character through the whole episode. He's like, nah, I got this. And he gives the whole speech about like 10 years ago, Morn came in here and he had hair then and his whole thing like this was his chair and I think the greatest tribute we could ever pay him would be to make sure that it is never empty and it's a pretty good scheme to drum up business but yet it works and everybody buys that he's emotional about it which yeah the guy that gets this filled seat is the guy who plays Morn yes plays Morn just outside of a suit friend of the pot yeah, Mark Allen Shepard. That's right. Yeah. There is a there's a whole lot of like in the beginning because this is sort of the the sort of the things they're juggling with. There's a whole lot of to describe a third. You made a reference in our text earlier today to Bill Brasky. Oh yeah. There's a lot of that you know going on here where and you remember when he did that? Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah, it's yeah. like this heroically bit broad life outside of everything that we see on television. They, they were having fun with that. Yeah. Right. With yeah. that trope, too. Yeah, that classic in-joke on the show that more never shuts up, you know. That, they kept that going. Yeah. yeah. And then it turns out that Quark is his uh, beneficiary of his will, which is great because he never paid his bar tab last month. Learns out that he doesn't have any money or whatever, and he was broke. And then he goes into Morn's room, finds the mud bath and the matador painting from that other favorite episode of yours with the baseball the crying of Lot 47 or whatever. Now I'm just thinking about Lot 49. No, sorry. Uh, didn't mean to distract you with something that you love. I like shows about water people. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, yeah. But then inside the mud bed that Morn sleeps in is the femme fatale. I, 
I thought, uh, I don't know, I, I her in that mud that did something for me. I got what they were going for. Oh, oh, give me Venom, give me Michelle Forbes, Michelle Forbes, <laughs> yeah, Michelle, Williams. yeah, yeah, give us <laughs> Michelle Williams and Michelle <laughs> Forbes wrapped in one Venom. No, give me an instant row Venom, huh? Mm. <laughs> and then we get. A lot of Hugh's favorite thing in the world with uh, jacking off ears. Yes, I hate that, and I wish that didn't exist in anything, in TV, in real life. Uh, yeah, but that's what. Right. Yeah. She's she's playing the long goodbye ex-wife basically for the person that's spoilers faked their death, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, so he agrees to share part of the inheritance with her to keep out of court. And Dax, he plays Tongo with Dax, who's like, don't trust that woman. And he's like, oh, I'm not trust. I don't trust her. But, you know, I'm still going to let her jack off my ears. Waka waka. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we get the thing, the little things that they set up early on in the episode, like that Morn has two stomachs. Yeah. That's why he drinks and eats so much. That's just a it's just a throwaway detail that they see there that pays off later on. In the same way that when he's playing Tongo with Dax, he clinks the two uh bars of Latinum together and says, you know, it's a beautiful sound, isn't it? You know. Beautiful, isn't it? Just these worthless bits of gold, but in between them you have Latinum, which is everything. So that's that's another little clue drop little thing drop that comes up later. Then the two brothers come in with the green makeup. And if you want to start arguing about bad performances, this is where I'll give you some leeway. I won't argue that they're awful, but they talk so damn slow. I mean, they're the actor's committed to what he's doing with it, and he's made choices. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to be a, just a ton of sort of vaudeville-type things. And I think that was like two describes a third... This is, you know, the dim, you know, the straight man and the and the dumb, the dumb man, <laughs> like right, right. And so there's a lot of, yeah. So they're doing that. Yeah, you borrowed some money from us, Court. You know, like the guy talks so slow. Like you could have cut three minutes off this episode if you just had those guys talk faster. Oh, but uh, one thousand bricks of gold pressed platinum. They got him an Emmy nomination. Oh yeah, uh, their makeup. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. This they like the big lizard makeup. I mean, I think it was for the whole season. Yeah, oh, but yeah. they. Uh, I mean, they, but you got to get it for an episode, and they got it for. It was nominated. They didn't win. Oh yeah, there's a lot of alien makeup in this, like the green guys. There and is, yeah. We don't know what kind of aliens they are. They're never named their race, and neither. And is... we know that Renee Echevarria was the one that added all of these things that like these vaudeville bits. The all of it, you know, like the the two describes a third that wasn't in the original script that was turned in, and none of these characters. What's the two describes a third? I don't remember that part. The two describe it's like the Bill Brasky thing. It's like where you have a it's a oh, oh, right, in, oh, improv yeah, yeah. thing where oh, oh, two yeah. guys okay. talk about all the crazy like the outlandish shit that a third person got oh, okay, got yeah, into. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all, Renee. Adding. That's all he added that in the rewrite. I mean, it, it was a. Okay. It looked like it was a page one rewrite, but they didn't give him credit for it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they smashed the matador painting over his head, and he finds a little note in there. And then the mourn, I love you, is a, the one kind of off note from Marvin Shimmerman in the episode for me, but that's just the way they cut it. Yeah. But, uh. Mourn? Wherever you are, I love you! Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a, 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine. He's a serviceable lead, and that's... I think he's pretty good most of it, but that it's just that, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's nice. One of the things that these kinds of shows and the wacky makeup can afford is that actor... I mean, Aaron Shimron's not a lead actor. You know, he just doesn't... Right. You know, he's a character... He is the, <laughs> he is the definition of a character actor. Right. And so you get to... You put him in these kinds of situations where you actually... He can actually play you know, these kind of, these lead roles and you show that, you know, actors have chops just right. just because they don't look like Aaron Eckhart <laughs> right, right. or Thomas Jane. Uh, they, you know, they can still anchor plots like yeah, that. He, so. he can flirt with the dame and he can, you know, be, mm-hmm. he's the George Clooney of Ferengi, you know, he's, yeah. he's confident. And in the way that the, the Voyager episodes were, um, I don't even know what it is anymore. Richard Picardo, Robert Picardo, or Ricky Robert, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the way, I mean, I feel like he gets to do that kind of, like he gets to be the lead and he's an actor that's not built to be a lead oh, just, in a traditional sense. So I like that about these shows. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then so he gets the lockbox that's in the assay office and he thinks it's going to be all these a thousand bars of platinum, but it's not. It's just one bar. And then Dodo is like, ha ha ha, it's just one bar. Ain't that a bitch? But he's like, nope, this is good enough because it's got the bank of Bolius and the code for it, CJ547036 that he's memorized. And then the femme fatale comes back and it's like, hey, baby. And he's like, sorry, I got no time. Sorry, Dr. Jones, no time for love. Uh, no time for Umox. And, you know, she's like, so diligent. So most men don't know how to delay gratification. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, gross. Uh, this is not a good time for Umox. <laughs> Jack off his ears a little bit. He's like, sorry, I can't. But she's pickpocketed the bar from him. But he's like, you know what? I'm the only one that can get it from the bank, so I, no sweat. The two brothers catch him on the elevator, <laughs> turbo lift. Apologize for the My brother is really sorry about the painting. And then he goes back to his room, and then he gets waylaid by another shifty character, this time that's quote-unquote security guard, uh, this Babylon 5 knockoff with truck nuts on his chest. Uh, <laughs> his little badge had truck nuts on it. but Or it looked like truck nuts. But but uh, maybe maybe I only noticed that. Uh, yeah. And then so he gives him this whole spiel about he's at Lurian security and that Morn is a prince and that a thousand bars was actually a gift when he turned down the crown but he has to give it back when he died in the event of his death and so this guy is going to get the money back but then he's going to catch these two criminals the ex-wife and the two brothers and put them in jail and Quirk is like fine I'll go along with it as long as there's a reward for doing it and then he's like alright well don't tell the wife just yet I want to get my ears jacked off one more time before she knows I don't have any money <laughs> um, I got 20 bucks that happens you have one cut back to the Quark's bar where Quark is not there, but Julian and O'Brien get their requisite buddy scene, which is, I think, well enough. Like, O'Brien is there working on a thing, and Julian is like, why don't you take that to, like, a, a lab to do it? And he's like, well, I gotta, somebody has to keep more in seat. Oh, yeah, I thought that was particularly dumb. Like, the idea is that they had to stay, in, someone had to stay in the seat the whole time. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't, it's pretty. Uh, that's a commitment to. It's 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 everybody on the station coming together as a community to remember their friend. And Quirk sold this 
as a thing that we should do to remember Morn because he never left that seat. And but so. I mean, the joke is, is that we that they had this like robust and and deep friendship off screen. Yeah, it's a joke that they've been playing an in joke they've been playing with for like six seasons. So that works for me. Outside of, I mean, have they though? Yeah. Yeah. Other than what's like Dax said she thought she was cute once. No, there's there's and the, that Morn Morn doesn't shut up. I don't know. I just I I don't notice Morn I don't know. I, I know that he's made reference to a lot, but this whole episode about these people like extending the I don't know. I just it was one joke and it was played out in the first five minutes but it went on and i guess it's because it's all they had that I, was... I, I mean i don't know like i think it was a pretty well laid in joke that they've been doing the whole show so i don't know <laughs> so i i don't know i i, I, I don't I, know it just seems like you, you already have a show that doesn't have enough camaraderie like and that's one of my like just broad critiques as the show goes on is even in the even when the show's humming there's a lot of stories in silos you know there's this is a Cisco story this is a you know and there's not enough like uh-huh. more less there's less of that on this show than there even is in TNG right i mean where the camaraderie was almost like a magic to TNG and this show doesn't have that like this show has plot and, and interesting drama and stuff like that. It has other strengths. It has strengths that are greater than a lot of the TNG stuff. But the the camaraderie outside of like these little pockets aren't there. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know what Dax and O'Brien's relationship is. In the way that I know what Will Riker and Beverly Crusher's relationship, I have like a better, a much more clear. So I don't know. And so to spend a lot of these times, even in a silo episode. To spend these times, because it's it's just about I, court, I'll, I'll to, con- to have all of these people talking about relationships that I haven't got to enjoy. I'll concede <clears throat> that there's more, the camaraderie is more apparent, and it's it's more there in TNG than in Deep Space Nine. I will concede that. Mm-hmm. But I won't concede that there's not any. I think there is some, I mean, yeah, Dax it's and... It's usually in pairs, though. It's yeah, usually, it is usually in pairs, and they usually yeah. go to Julian and It's O'Brien. not ship-wide. In fact, we've had a few scenes whenever, or station-wide, rather, yeah. where they're sitting around and, and talking about Oh, what was the kid? What was the one where the scene where it seemed like it was a kids in cages analog scene where they were talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. That was and, the statistical one, right? And it, to me, it was weird that they were all just in the same room talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah, that's how little they're all together as as a group. They'll they'll every now and then they'll have like a Cisco's cooking dinner for the crew, but yeah, you're every right. Every once in a while, it's, it's every it's, once. Okay, so yeah, but it's part of it's just because they get smaller characters that blow up and they, the cast is pretty big there's arguably it is and that's one of the things that they've never done well they've never if they're oh, if, yeah. if the show's humming along they've dialed down somebody yeah mm. yeah almost because yeah. yeah and so like but like you even go to uh in that statistical probability the kids in cages scene specifically there is a sort of a like a there's a bit of uh, acrimony between um Worf and Bashir, which is mirrored in the waltz. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like this show has really nailed the dislike between? I mean, you can even go back to the uh, the episode that cannot be talked about, uh, where 
Bashir was pretty irritated with Worf on Ryza. And, yeah. like, they don't have a very good relationship, but, like, the show hasn't mind that at all. In fact, I feel like I'm maybe making that up in the margins just to give them something. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, there are three data points that show that they don't get along. Yeah, I mean, I'll concede that you, that's, uh, honestly, you're, you're, you're not wrong that that's something they could have dealt more with mm-hmm. sure but so and that that's so when i'm watching these just because it is doesn't make it it doesn't make it an outright failure of an episode for me but you're right to call that out hmm. but yeah because i don't know i like the whole the conceit that everybody is keeping Warren's chair warp because that's what this episode was doing and i for me it sold just fine that and i like the whole this the one little scene where like oh brian's like oh i gotta go do this thing and then julian's like oh it's okay i'll take over now so that we'll have somebody in the chair Mm -hmm. that's one of the few scenes where we get to see kind of the community on the station but yeah it's just they're they just shorthand to okay if we need to do something like that we just go to bashir and o'brien that's true uh and then they they go back to quirk's then you have the dame is sneaking, is hiding in his room. Then the two brothers break into the room and she's hiding. And then the other guy breaks into the room and they're hiding. And then they all learn. Then the plot comes out when they all find each other in there that uh, Morn was D.B. Cooper, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were all criminals in on the same crime to rob the Lesepian Mother's Day heist. And the statute of limitations on the robberies ran out two weeks ago. So, yeah, now a person that knows noir might start to put together that Morin isn't dead. Maybe if they haven't already. Or they still think he's dead. But obviously these guys were all in on it. And then then they all agreed to split it five ways. There's the joke for the dumb brother where he's like, yes, five ways. That means all of us get 250 bricks. And there's some eye rolls there. I guess those are some some light yucks that I I kind of thought was funny. The actor's takes when she rolls her eyes, I thought that was nice. But anyway, so the guy's gonna cut off Cork's thumb. They're like, no, dumbass, we can't cut off his thumb and put a thumb on the thing. Uh, security might frown on that. So they all agree to split it. They go to the cargo bee uh, at sixteen hundred hours to meet the Bolian transport after hanging out. Because they can't leave Cork alone. Odo goes in the bar, finds him there. Uh, the bar's closed. They go to pick up the, the bars, the bricks, in the cargo bay. And they're in one of those uh, things that the if you have like a true green guy that comes to your neighborhood, what they put their lawn chemicals in is the same thing that like... They put oh, them. is that what that... <laughs> like, it's the same like sort of, yeah, it's the vats that doesn't corrode with ah. corrosive chemicals. It's That's exactly what he's in. Oh really? With the money, with the gold bars, yeah. <laughs> I have noticed like uh, crates that I use at my job at work to store like cassette tapes and stuff. Yeah. Like in old episodes in the cargo base too. So yeah, sometimes you recognize the props as being not quite a twenty fourth century. You just gotta go to Sanford and Sons sometime to get your props. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we'll just we'll just glue like a panel on it and look, it's from the future. Yeah. And then so then they have the standoff. They start shooting at each other. Quirk hides in the in the container. Odo comes in and solves it, puts them all down, or they shoot each other except for the dame who gets sent to jail. The rest go to the infirmary, and Quirk is so excited. He gets to keep all the bricks of latinum. He goes in there, and oh, he's confounded. The bricks are all empty, and, and the payoff of the 
clinking together the sound. That's a beautiful sound, isn't it? He says, listen to this, Odo, and he clinks the bricks, and his fine Ferengi ears know that that's the wrong sound, and then he crumbles the bricks of latinum, and they're all just gold dust. There's no latinum inside. They're just worthless gold, which is, you know, a pretty pointed joke to our 20th century minds or whatever. Right. Mm. Why does it why does it crumble? Gold doesn't crumble. I was like Yeah. I was like, why does it crumble? Because he needs to break them open to see that there's no latinum in it. Yeah. It's gold dust, I guess. Yeah. They call it gold dust later. But I guess is it just compacted gold dust or I don't know. Yeah, I, I, guess was, so. I was I don't know. Maybe in the process to uh take the latinum out of it that apparently uh Morn did it, it gets turns porous it to pour, it yeah. structurally weak, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So then he's back at the bar, lamenting. Oh, not lamenting. He's pissed at Morn for ripping him off. He's trying to yank Morn's bar stool out of the ground. When Odo comes in, he's like, "What? What are you doing? There's an old friend here to see you." And then it's Morn. Oh, he's not dead. He faked his death. We're all happy to see Morn again, aren't we? Yay! Uh, and then Quark's like, "How'd How'd you do it? Oh, you know what? Shut the fuck up. Don't tell me how you did it because I don't want to hear your dumb voice." Because we can't have you say anything because that suit doesn't work that way. But explains it. We learned that Morn's been storing this liquid latinum in his second stomach that we mentioned in the cold open that Morn has. So another detail paying off that is that the latinum has been in his stomach for 10 years. That's probably why he lost all his hair. That's another end joke from earlier in the episode. And mm. he spits out 100 bricks worth of latinum into a tiny little wine glass, which... That felt like there must not be much room in those bricks, but whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, pal, you and me should run a scam. There's those primitive cultures I've heard that, you know, really value that worthless gold. Fade to credits. I will point out one thing uh, that I find super interesting is that Armin Shimmerman went on like a, like a rant about this episode. And it's really interesting. It was that so he was like, Mark Allen Shepard's been a background extra has been paid at a background extra wage for six seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's come up every, you know, he's come in every day and he's, he's, he's done his job and he stays on those long shoots in that golden time that he was talking to Hugh about that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he would come here and he would work these hours, but he was being paid at a, at a bare minimum rate, quite less than a guest star or something like that. And he goes, and they finally get to a point where they're going to elevate him to write a whole show around him. And he's in it almost less than than he is in other shows. <laughs> and they still paid him an extra's wage for the show. Yeah, not even a featured extra, huh? Yeah. And so he feels that this was like a habit of, of doing doing this character wrong if they wanted to build him up and then not you know, at least at least not pay the man. Right. I mean, he was he was president of the union at one point, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he a, was an officer in the union, so he's like he he recognizes when these his fellow actors are being done wrong. Which yeah, we we like the r- same Russian writers, and German <laughs> right. writers. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I think that that's an interesting uh, critique about the, yeah. the the bare bones of this ep- or what happened with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. All in all, I found it a pretty enjoyable episode. All right. I mean, it also hardens down when people have questions about how latinum works. This episode is what they go to to explain that it, it's liquid suspended in gold. Mm-hmm. You know, they've talked about that before, but this episode really locks it down for a lot of people. I wish we, I, I mean, I wish I knew what like a, 
what like a cheeseburger costs. I I wish I knew like the value rate of it or whatever yeah. to, to adjudicate what the. It's pretty. Like what would a what would a seven hundred fifty calorie meal cost or something like that? Yeah, you know, I think that you could probably whatever the base whatever economists use. Yeah, the exchange metric. rate on latinum seems pretty uh wild if you're going across every time it's mentioned in this show yeah yeah they don't seem to have a nail on what five bars of gold latinum is or, or yeah. anything like that how many bars are in a brick that's a, yes that's that's an actual error that's all over the place uh yeah no i mean it's not it's not the worst episode what's your rewatch meter guys um i'd probably put it i'd put it at a seven all right uh, i mean th- Three? <laughs> All right. A seven and a three. Um, I'm going to put mine at a five. Okay. Because I, I... Split the diff. Yeah, it's pretty much... But I think that's pretty much tracks about how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, what do you guys think the good people of IMDb think of it? Um, I'm going to go 7.9. Oh, shit. I'll go 7.5. It is. Oh, snap. I'm on the trivia part. Sorry. <laughs> Leaving me hanging. The suspense is killing me. 7.6. Oh. All right. Yeah. That that checks. That scans too. That scans too. All right. Next week we're watching some episode. I don't know if it's that oh, important. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, that's something I don't remember. I think it's one of them causes episodes like past tense. Oh, no. It's going to get political. I hate when Star Trek does that. Uh. <laughs> yes. Or identity politics. It's even different. Oh, no. yeah. So yes. is there is there anything that you would do differently? How would you have done this episode, James, since I brought it up? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you miss, I don't know, like, you have to ask yourself, why are you watching these things told better and different? Like, why why do these space aliens got to do this shit? And so you would say that if you're going to ape the structure of a well-trod trope of a detective, you know, of a, of a Raymond Chandler novel, because everybody does it, but you have to do it differently. I mean, the, the Big Lebowski is a Raymond Chandler novel, but... They do it different. I mean, so it's not like it's not necessarily that doing a noir structured thing is a problem. Mm -hmm. It's that there is no I don't know. There's no space. There's no majesty of there's no how weird space can get other than people have forehead ridges. So like there's no there's no like space magic. There's no like, (laughs) you know, like I mean, like magic and like there's nothing magical about the story. I know. So I would probably try to push it in some area where. I don't know where it doesn't feel so usual or why setting telling this type of story on a spaceship with ear monsters makes sense as opposed to it's just why am I watching ear monsters? The ear monster that they've set up is big into shady criminal stuff. Why would they tell that kind of story with this character? Yeah. <laughs> that, like, fuck. I mean, I could I could watch it in a more normal setting. This, why is it in space? <laughs> and why does this story need space to be told? So I would find a reason for that. It's like, why even do a Western in space when you could just do a Western, you know? Well, I mean, but <laughs> they, I mean, what show, what, 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 what are you, you making a reference to this? I'm making a reference to Star Trek. It's, it's got wormholes and shit. They are doing other things. They are doing things about the differences of the, beyond that. They are doing things with majesty and mystery and, and, and pushing 
you know, sort of, why why tell the story on a spaceship? Because And when you answer that question, I feel like you're on the path to fixing this, uh, making an episode that's better than this. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just disagree on first principles. (laughs) People like those kind of stories on spaceships and stuff. People like corn. Yeah. (laughs) Not the food, but I mean, like, you know, the... People like Limp Biscuit. People like the food too. People like <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I like it. yeah. People like Nickelback. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm not insulting you if you like this episode. Oh, I'm oh not, the band. Oh, that is a low blow. I I'm not insulting <laughs> you, but I'm just saying that like that's not enough for me. This isn't rap rock because it's sci-fi and mixing your genres up. But, but it, what is the added value of it being a space story? The added value is that they have to do 26 episodes, and this is one of them. <laughs> right. That's one of them. I mean, other than the guy's got a second stomach. You have, well, yeah, and you have, it's why you do character stories about anything. You can transfer, moving a genre and mixing genres. Is, I don't think this is a character story. I think It is. is. It's, it's a quirk story about the kind of, shenanigans that Quirk gets up to. Yeah, but it's a plot story. Sure. It's not character. Yeah. Like, we don't find out, like, but, like but we, Quirk doesn't change. No, but we get pretty good scenes with him where we see who Quirk is and how he carries himself and how he responds to uh, situations. Yeah, all right. So, I mean, I, that, that's well, what the, I would... The, the, the point of this episode is that all of his life, Quirk was a near-do-well, and this is the episode where due to some unforeseen shenanigans, he might actually have his all of his hopes and dreams fulfilled mm. by coming across a ton of shit ton of money and not having to do very much at all for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he, the fun is to watch a character get everything he wants and then have it snatched away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I would find something, I don't know, I would find there's a war going on. You can tie it to that. Oh you my can God, do this a lot war. Of... This, since we've retaken the station, <laughs> yeah, we've really just soft-pedaled it's, it's, the war. Yeah. In fact, I think we soft-pedaled right. the war for the rest of this, like, series. Until the last ten episodes of it, maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I you're, you're left in these sort of, you know, I mean, uh, this is good fun. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is a... Uh, <laughs> Turn off your brain and enjoy enjoy it for what it is, kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Well. You sound convinced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you convinced I've, me. I've never All heard right. anybody describe fun and make it so sound so enticing. James. I feel like when it's, I, I feel like that sometimes on this podcast where it's like everybody's saying what's fun, and I'm like. I got a different feeling of fun. I don't know. I, I, I just have a different... I, I like fun things. I'm not a fucking sourpuss. And I, I'm not someone that ever thinks that everything has to be a fucking P.T. Anderson movie. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's... But if everything were a David Milt show, you might be happier. It's not frivolous. It's empty. It's not frivolous. It's empty. That's what I think. All right. Well, if you disagree with James... Or me, yeah. or or Hugh somehow though. He, I don't know how he would. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's mostly been me and James yelling at each other. This I'm I'm pretty much the both sidesism on this one. I see both <laughs> sides pretty clearly. You're the Phil Bredesen. Of a lot this. of good, a lot of good points on both sides. <laughs> good people on both sides. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> if you want to attack our both sidesism here, or or one of our sides or the other. Uh, give us a call at 917-408-3898 and uh, tell us what you think about this or whatever. And if you want to hear other stuff about what we think, well, pick up a copy of Alan Moore's Jerusalem and read along. In, oh, yes. What's that podcast that we're doing, James? What's that called? 
that it's called the Hashish and Superiority Book Club. Currently, we know, I think we're filming of this, but who knows what's going to be on there, but we're on Spotify. I feel like that's a... Oh, yeah. I feel like that's a big boy podcast thing when podcasts brag about being on Spotify. Getting ads is a big boy podcast thing. But <laughs> so we'll, we'll let you know when we're uh, Casper's Mattress certified. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, we're reading this one book and it, it's enough <laughs> yeah. for us. So we're going to do a 10-episode season and we're... In the middle of it right now, so definitely subscribe and check that out. If you're on our Patreon, we'll start having Patreon content that supplements what we're doing with the Hashishan Superiority Book Club. Yeah, and check it out. Please do. Yeah, on that Patreon, we'll be doing, like you said, stuff related to Hashishan Superiority Book Club, and um, you know more of the preambles and stuff that we do here. But we're gonna try and we're gonna have something for everybody there at the Kickers of Elves Patreon page at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. So if you like us uh, or if you hate us, give us money and, <laughs> and and be a patron over there and check it out. Patreon.com slash kickers of elves. All right. Is that it? I believe so. Okay. Well, thanks again. Oh, shit. I wasn't recording. <laughs> <laughs> you son I'm of I'm kidding. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Three to be out. <laughs> All those nights when you've got no lights check is in the mail and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail and your third fiance didn't show <laughs> sometimes you want to go where everybody knows Look at, i'm out <laughs>